podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to our third and final Rugby World Cup warm-up recap podcast. It was a weekend where South Africa trounced New Zealand and Fiji shocked England. But we're going to talk about the Battle of Bayonne 2, the Samoan rainstorm. Joining me this evening are two Irish and Leinster fans. First up, it's the cornerstone in Irish rugby Twitter debates, Keno Miller. Welcome back, Keen. Thanks for having us. I uh, I don't think I've ever been described as a cornerstone before. I might have to start going by brick. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe next time I'll just introduce you as brick and see if people <laughs> join the dots. I join him is the always knowledgeable Tom Coleman. Welcome back, Tom. All knowledgeable. That's even more impressive. Uh, <laughs> thank you for inviting us, Caelan. Delighted to be here, yeah. Good to have you on, lad. So as, as always, as people know, I'll start these with a game in 60. Fortunately, last night, there wasn't really 60 seconds of action in it, let's, if we're being honest. So, here we go. And breathe. Ireland have kept the winning momentum alive by grounding out a 17-13 win over Samoa in Bayonne. There may have been no black guys this time around, but it certainly made for a different type of battle of Bayonne. Tries from Jimmy O'Brien, Conor Murray and Rob Herring set Ireland on their way in biblical conditions. However, the weather is always a great leveller. And if not for Samoan inefficiencies, they could have snatched a win in the nail-biting debt. Unfortunately, there were further injury blows. Veteran Keen Healy took a bang to the leg and ultimately missed out on a place in the World Cup squad. Robbie Henshaw, Jimmy O'Brien and Jacob Stockdale also picked up knocks, but there's been no further update as we speak. Earlier today, Andy Farrell named his final 33-man squad for France, with Jeremy Luckman and Stuart McCluskey getting in ahead of the aforementioned Keen Healy and Keane Prendergast, respectively. We now turn our attention to the World Cup, which is just 12 days away. We cannot wait. So I'll start with yourself, Keane. Not a great weekend for Keane's, as the (laughs) intro may have suggested. But what was your overall thoughts on on Saturday's game? Yeah, yeah. We got the the 13th overall uh, consecutive win, which is, you know, it's nice to get a record, but it 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 was a scrappy game. There was no two ways about it. Uh, you know, not a vintage to display. Um, to be honest, frankly, probably a bit of a smash and grab job for us in the end. Uh, Samoa were probably unlucky. Uh, not to not to get that last line out. I know their line out is usually about seventy percent, so the odds were decent for them. Um, but you know, might have been a a missed uh, hand in there somewhere. But I think there was a couple of missed hands in other places throughout the course of the match. So you know, you take the rough with the smooth. Um, all in all, you know, we had good possession and territory, but um, we were giving away way too many turnovers. Um, gave away 19 turnovers in that match, whereas our average so far this year for Ireland has been 11.6. Um, so that's significantly higher, nearly double. Um, the line out as well malfunctioned very badly in the first half. Um, and that's that's one of our key platforms. So just wasn't going without that. Um, Players-wise, Conor Murray showed his value yet again, scored a vital try just before halftime, get Aaron back in the game. Uh, he had a good match, uh, two and a half metres per carry. Um, one of only four clean breaks that we had in the game for the side. Uh, he scored that try and 100% nine out of nine tackles. So like a pretty all-round performance um, in tough conditions from him. Um, was probably the... Uh, the change of hooker really kind of flipped the game uh, on its head for us. Uh, Rob Herring came on, steadied the ship. It's great to have him uh, now in the in the wider squad. A bit of experience, uh, a reliable set of a set of hands and and head on him as well. Uh, injuries to the injuries. Yeah, I mean, obviously this Kean Healy is that's that's the going one. Hope the others aren't as bad, aren't too bad. I know they've been played down, but these things we get, you know, less than two weeks out from the World Cup, you never know what's going on behind closed doors. Um, Stockdale did well enough, but it was really hard for most people to impose themselves in any way in that game. Um, I suppose all in all, what we got out of it was 
scraped a win. Unfortunately, that injury, maybe a few more knocks, but loads of work-ons and adversity. Uh, so does that actually make it the perfect Farrell result? Maybe. Maybe it does. The, the leaked footage that I had up on Twitter would scream adversity at you. If, <laughs> if you didn't see it, it's a, a Ted Lasso, Andy Farrell crossover. <laughs> Ticks like, everyone's boxes. You like your Ted Lasso. Ah, who doesn't? Who doesn't? <laughs> but we, we won't get into a quote off here now this evening because we've enough to discuss. But Tom, last night's game is keen painted was it, it it really wasn't one for the for the for the entertainment factor. Um and there was of course the injuries and all that, but a win is a win. A win is a win. Well, I you know, put my hands up. I was in the Aviva last night at the American football, the college football. So I didn't actually see this game live. So I watched it in I watched it in the worst possible way, which is through social media and WhatsApp groups. <laughs> uh of Keen is one of them. And uh it's always a bit torturous, you know, in between the downs, plenty of downs you get in college football. You look down, you see a score and it, you know, it's uh literal hair pulling and I wish this bloody game would be over and oh, not another one down. And oh my God. And, you know, you're looking at this going, what the heck is going on in this game? So uh, I got up this morning, nice and sober after my night in Dublin and I watched the game clean through this morning. Um I, you know, when I sort of cast all those texts aside and went, you know, okay, I'll, I'll give it a clean look. Um, and personally, I thought it definitely wasn't as bad as all the texts and the WhatsApps and the and, and the Twitter and social media. It seemed uh, maybe that's because nothing beats watching a game live and the emotional roll call. So you go as a fan, you look at the injuries, you're every tackle, every rook. You know, what I mean, so you're not living the moment, so you're able to look at the game in a completely different way and sort of cold hard. What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? So maybe in this game. Maybe that perspective, maybe it's just a different angle to show. Um, my synopsis of the first half was Samoa did nothing for 35 or 36 minutes. You know, when you look back on that game and it was only that, you know, lucky interception where it came off the guy's face. I know Stockdale's pass was slightly, or not Stockdale's, Mapuski's pass was slightly high risk, but really they did nothing. They got a bit of, of a lift after that and, and had one good scrum just before the end of um end of uh, half time and, and obviously got the lead but you know apart from Supuanga dropping spirals down on Jimmy O'Brien and getting some joy off on that you know because they were definitely staying away they looked at the England game and went we ain't you know we ain't kicking to Mark Hansen and uh, they didn't really do go too 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 much on to Stockdale side either you know they were testing Jimmy O'Brien um, I thought Jimmy O'Brien you know maybe this is the Leinster boy I said it doesn't matter what jersey they're wearing I thought he wasn't really helped by some of his call them blockers I'm putting up a little explanation mark there inverted there because Ireland are quite good at that sort of slowing down the the chasers to the kick and they didn't give him a whole lot of protection all night he got a lot of dirty ball and he had to come through a lot of traffic and as Caelan said in your opening salvo it was a dirty night it was biblical it it reminded me of the night I went up to Ulster when Leinster went up there and it was just monsoon you know so I think it's hard to appreciate it on the television but um, yeah, I thought the first half was quite good. I think Keane summed it up right. There was a lot of errors, you know, when we had positions, we were maybe forcing a little bit. Um, I think tactically, we were quite happy to play slow ball. And to, I hate using the word to the uninformed. The uninformed, Conor Murray will get a lot of flack for that. But Ireland purposely were playing a lot of slow rock ball. We weren't presenting it as quick as we should because they probably felt the conditions didn't allow. And we weren't going with big vengeance to sort of clear out rocks really low. So I think the whole premise, whatever, you know, the reason Ireland were quite happy to play more secure, slower up ball, and that suits Conor Murray's down to the ground, you know, but people looking at it will go, Jesus, he's slow, but he's not. That's the whole system there is designed to have secure ball on a, and, and then put pressure maybe through a kick or or a next play to, to put pressure on on, on on the Samoan backfield. Um, but yeah, as, as, as Keane outlined then, I think in the second half, um, Maybe that sort of fire was in their bellies, and we should have really put the game out of out of sight in about sixty seven minutes. We had a double, two or three chances to get a try there. I think we'd be unhappy with that because some more around their feet at that stage, and um, we just should. That's probably one one area I'd be disappointed that we had chances. Um, our mall and our rolling mall was in better shape when when Herring came on. Um, I you know chatting to Kale and pre pod. I don't think it's all. Stewart's fault how the lineout malfunctioned. It was just, you know, you look at I don't know if anyone caught the France game this evening. Marchand's first three or four throws were were all over the shop. 
Uh, sometimes it's just a system thing. And for your younger guy, then it's difficult. He's under pressure. Maybe he's thinking he has a chance to get on the plane. It's, it was a difficult set of circumstances where his first few lineups were, weren't firing. And Herring's calm head coming on, coupled with with um, James Ryan, who sort of grabbed the sort of pack by the scruff. If you look at them malls, you know, he was very, very aggressive when trying to get those malls go forward. Uh, it resulted in one try eventually. Um, beautiful cross-field kick from from Crowley. And uh, obviously, the I think it was the Herring try came off them all as well. Um, but yeah, they were they were probably the two players that made the biggest impact off the bench. But overall, yeah, very frustrating. But but I didn't think it was looking at cold and analytically, I didn't think it was bad as as it seemed live. But I didn't go through the roller coaster of of watching it. So so it was just a slightly different perspective for me. You you weren't watching behind behind your hands as as some of us were, especially when you see Keeney going off early so quickly. You're just thinking, is it going to be the same story again as? It's always the last warm up game as well, isn't it? Like it's always it's always one in the last game. I know twenty nineteen they got a bit lucky in that game, but you know, it's nearly always the last one. And I don't want to talk too much about the game myself because I have a, a squad announcement podcast which is already on the channel feed that has already gone up and I talked talked about the game, but you touched on Connor Murray, like Ireland like their own their zero to three second rook ball is only forty five percent. That's that's only about two thirds of where it's normally at. Like then that's it's the nature of protect first and go from there. It was kind of an accuracy game because when you're making so many mistakes, there was an awful lot of knock-ons, passes not going to hand. It is just keep it as simple as you can. I thought I thought Murray was was brilliant last night, to be honest. And you know, like the, there's the element of players didn't know if they were in the squad. We believe they did, but even say for someone like Tom Stewart. He's all, he's definitely still going to be thinking, well, Ronan Keller might make it or Dan Sheehan might make it. It's always going to be in the back of his mind, you know, and so on and so forth. I actually think, like, for instance, halftime came at the right time for Jacob Stockdale because he kind of had a, a minute to just clear his head and played a much freer game in the second half. And again, I, I talked in depth about Stockdale in the, in the other pots. So I don't want to harp on about that. But I suppose, Tom, uh, line out is obviously the one that stands out in terms of the the negatives, but both sides of the coin, was there positives and negatives that you take? And not, not just from um not just from Ireland, but from Samoa as well, because to to their credit, first game against a tier one side since the twenty nineteen World Cup and they ran them close. Yeah, I think they'd won Samoa had won the last eight games or maybe one loss in nine or something really good. So and yeah no look Samoa will be delighted. You know, they'll feel maybe uh, they that you know, when, the, when their two locks made a break towards the end of the second half and made sort of 60 metres and they got us under a bit of pressure in the sort of the last five minutes, they'll feel then that they had a chance to win the game. I don't think they put enough pressure on Ireland throughout the second half before that to say they could have won the game. Like the last score they got was in 45 minutes. I think that penalty after half time when they, when they started OK at the start of the second half, but they really didn't put pressure on our line. So, you know, um, they had a chance near the end, mainly I think because we didn't put them away, as I outlined earlier on about the chances we had. But look, it was um, Spuanga's first game. He's a huge player for them going forward. He just gives them that experience and depth, and him playing more with the team. And they have a class central partner as well. You know, we all seen Sutiani for La Rochelle. He's probably the most underrated player or most unknown underrated player in Europe for anyone that doesn't watch rugby that often. Um, so. They have, they have the ingredients to go really well and the more they can play and they've got a group in the World Cup that they can maybe get a little bit of momentum and could cause surprise. Um, I think they're more rounded team than Fiji, even though Fiji probably was a result of the weekend. But they've probably got a little bit more more depth about them than, than Fiji's. Uh, Fido, Fiji has some sort of glaring weaknesses that Samoa doesn't have. Um and and I, so yeah, it's 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 been a good a good outing for 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 Samoa and for a team that doesn't play as often as you say. I think they've only played ten games together since the last World Cup, which is a real problem for that's that's the amount total of the games that they've played. Um, that, that's on World Rugby. That's their fault. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So like, how the hell? Like, like if Ireland only played ten games between now and last twenty nineteen, how how good or bad would it be? So in the context of that, it's it's fantastic by for 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 Samoa. Um. Yeah. Look, when I was looking back through the game, and I was sort of making mini notes every fifteen minutes, the one <laughs> repeating thing was line out, and it was actually for both teams. Samoa's line out was all over the shop as well. I know Key had mentioned that the 
that usually have a higher percentage, but there was a huge amount of poor line outs. And um, I never mentioned, very rarely on any pod mentioned the referee. I didn't think Wayne had his best game, but that's mainly because of the conditions. I thought silly things he was sort of letting go. Uh, Keane did touch on, you know, sort of the 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 hands and hands in the line out where both sides were were interfering with the jumper jumper catching the ball, and you know that evened itself out as well. I thought one area that was interesting where maybe Ireland will have to keep an eye out for is that assist tackler where the initial tackler makes a tackle and then the if you're if you're part of that tackle you're you're meant to be hands off as well. Now if you just sort of gently help the player down that's been tackled and then go in to try and steal the ball, I think that's fine. It's a fine line, but. Um, Samoa's assist tackle constantly was in over the ball and it didn't help our, our, our speed of ruck and more luck to them if they got away with it but you know I think it's fair to say we need probably a, a full CRF with the breakdown and Wayne Barnes does this and, and look Wayne Barnes is a great referee absolutely not going to sit here and criticise him it's just a style that doesn't suit our weakness in our game when it's there so um it just it, it that's a constant with Wayne. It's not a criticism. It's just an observation, and we're the one that has to adapt, not him. If he refs to break them that way, that's on, that's on us. So it's not a thing. It, but we are a little bit vulnerable when teams are allowed to throw the ball down at a rock. In my interpretation of it, legally, especially with assist tackler, and um, it's just not pinging them. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought just overall, it was more a play safe sort of feeling game than. You know, and that was highlighted. I think mainly as I described around our rock play. Just we were, we it was safety first after so many mistakes. But uh, the line out is a continuing worry. Um, I think that's the main area, given the injury profile of our hookers and how the line out has gone in the three games warm up. I think, and and so much of you know, I know it's everyone says it, but it's true. So much of Ireland's sort of front forward ball comes from lineouts and stuff like that. You look at Dan Sheehan even in the first twenty minutes of the Heineken Cup for Leinster, similar type of thing. Once that's stopped, it's it's a different kettle of kettle of fish. Um so yeah, that's that's the big work on for Polly with the lads over the next um eleven days, twelve days before before our first game against Romania. And and one of the luxuries that I've touched upon and I, I didn't just say it on, on this podcast but also in, in articles is Ireland are probably in a situation, Keen, where this is their third of maybe four, four and a half kind of warm-up games. Like the Romania game is is not going to be a test, or if it is, we're all going to have maybe a 2007 flashbacks, and no one needs them. <laughs> but Jesus, like no. we're we're in that situation where you can't you can't read too much into it as well because like knock-ons knock-ons happen on a night like last night. Yeah. You're going to have issues when you have a new hooker in who, as I said to Tom, he definitely throws the ball a little bit differently that just didn't seem to sync up, you know, compared to maybe Herring, who's a softer throw. And just these little things, it all it all adds up. Like, like I suppose, I'm not going to say, well, like, what is your thoughts on on it all being negative because it's not, or, or all positive. But if you were to highlight something, as Tom did line out things like that scrum there is a bit of an asterisk there isn't there yeah of course there is uh, I mean <laughs> I, I mean like you can you can you can summarize a lot of it in looking at how many starters there were and that's in that side it was very much a, a kind of a um a stretching the the squad selection you know looking at the first two games from our from our group really I would have thought um so that there were there were issues there you could you could basically call cohesion issues um that kind of ran throughout compounded by the weather and compounded by you know then a a, a team that got their dander up um i mean the wet conditions meant that both teams kind of resorted to more kicking it's about 50 percent more kicking than either team would do on average um so where ireland do kick quite a bit. We were kicking more and we were kicking differently. You know, uh, we weren't able to get those those chases in and and set up a strong line and a, and a counter or anything like it. Like it. Um, uh, and the rain meant that you weren't going to be guaranteed on taking the possession on a kick return either. So it was kind of it was it was it was a bit hairy. Um, they targeted our line out pretty effectively. Um, they're. Our, our line it's normally 87.1% is the average for the last year, and they we were 76% in that game. 
So yeah, there was you can't blame it all on on the throw. Absolutely not. It did look systemic again, compounded by the weather. Um, did we have the issue with the blocking off in the? I think we had one. I think there was one. Yeah, which um, is an improvement, def- definitely I suppose, less. But but it, I think there was a there was setup issues as well, though even before yeah. that, like that we had one. Pretty sure we'd one knock on just getting the ball to the base of the mall as well. Yeah, but I mean, Samoa's, Samoa's line out was normally 70%. It was 64 in this. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of, it tells a tale of the weather interfering with both sides. Um, yeah, we struggled with their their physicality a little bit, I thought. Um, you know, they ha- there weren't many line breaks in this game, given, again, the way I hate to keep coming back to Bella, but really does kind of come down on everything that happened within the game. Um their lock McFarland actually in the carry and in the line out was a, a demon. Like he's one to watch, I think, the World Cup. He's going to go well for them. Uh he, he, was, beat... with, he was with Ceres when he was younger. He is, um... He's 27, though, which I couldn't get over. I was doing my preview. I thought he was young because, yeah. you know, you hear about young prodigy at Saracens, but he's, he's 27 years of age. Chill. 35 is young to me, so 27 is young too. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he beat four defenders um, as well as his work in the line out last night. Uh, so pretty good. And their blind side, Sayu, got beat four defenders as well. And their fullback, uh, Iowa, I'm going to have a stab at that. <laughs> Uh, he 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 beat two defenders, so you know they were they were running it back and they were having a go and using their physicality. But uh, it was it was a night that was going to make that kind of uh, running game difficult when even when it did happen. Um, our kicking game was a positive. Um, Murray was putting them pretty much in exactly where they needed to be. Um, when he put boot to ball, um, a couple of nice crossfield kicks as well. Um, and kicks in behind the line. The kicking was pretty good. Especially again, yeah. given the weather, like the kicking, a lot of good clearance kicks. I thought, especially in a side without James Lowe. Like typically, we'd go to Hansen, yeah. but he doesn't have the same distance. But I thought Jack Crowley really stepped up to the mark, kicking long as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, looked, I looked the game back. I the first two kicks were a bit off, but I wouldn't mind that because you're trying to judge the wind and the rain. And mm. but after that, he was he he you know most of the times he made the right decision on whether to kick long or try to grubber it through or try to head for the sideline so yeah overall managing that game and it was interesting he switched to fullback when Ross Bourne came on I think that's something they're possibly looking at for some of the games maybe in the group just to see how that so. goes and give Crowley that sort of chance of hitting the line at 12 as a different you know or the outside channels which he's well able to do so uh, just a different dynamic maybe he's looking at for some of the other groups or his other group games which would be interesting enough um, I thought one constant again and it goes, should go without saying um, you know what we're talking about the positives we're saying about Samoa are, are all true but I thought Ireland's defence throughout the game was still outstanding yeah. you know really if you yeah. look at it we didn't really give Samoa much chances that's you know their try came off a mistake they had a bit of pressure off a scrum and took a penalty just before half time to take the lead they had a good five or six minutes and probably been a bit harsh here in, at the start of the second half. Really, they didn't really get tr- close to trapping our line. I thought our defence, scramble defence, was all very good and and, and we found out well. Um, but again, maybe some more just if they're nine and ten, play together a bit more and get them combinations going because they have two good quality centres. That'll improve with them as well. I, I thought they weren't good at making some decisions when they had been and against Ireland you have to be really good to break our defence so uh, you know you're asking for a positive our defence I think was again was outstanding um, yeah. Samoa I know the last five minutes is always the five minutes that that's everybody's mind when they come away from the game and you think oh line out five mirrors out and oh Jesus here we go again Bayon take two but really it was sporadic the amount of time they put pressure on us in the red zone and we looked comfortable for a lot of it yeah yeah, yet actually they're uh their defenders beaten and clean breaks was just about the same as their average over the last year. Um, so kind of our defense was good and and it was stable, but they're not actually that much more of a running threat than than what them was shown. Um, I think actually probably the biggest thing um that went in their favor was their discipline yesterday. Yeah, only six penalties conceded. Six penalties. They they averaged twelve. Uh, over the yeah. last year per game. That's huge. Uh, six in that kind of weather is a massive fill up. Yeah, and you know and you know who won't be liking that? England. 
a team who has to go three six nine to beat you. Yeah, Do you know, very much. And, so. and we're not, we're not. I'm going to talk about England and Samoa in a minute. Um, so I don't want, I don't want to, <laughs> to start sharpening the knives yet. But just because Tom mentioned the tackle stats, Ireland missed eighteen tackles yesterday, but the most that anyone missed was Robbie Henshaw and Ross Byrne with four. And I think you can kind of chalk them off too. Just Henshaw just wasn't really on it yesterday, you know, and I, I also I, think not jumping in there ahead of you, Caelan, I also think if you look at the stats back even for the last two years, Gary Ringrose, who plays that third chain, third yeah. chain the missed tackle stat is always a weird one there because yeah. a lot of times he's rushing out to force them back inside yeah. and they take it as a missed tackle. So don't get me wrong, I didn't think Henshaw had his best game, but I think the 13 channel, the way we defend, the way we play, is a lot about forcing teams back inside or yeah. and, 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 and smothering them. And... necessarily about making that massive hit. Yeah. Uh, and, and in fairness, Fiku plays the same way. He, his missed tackle stats looks poor, but like no one's going to say he's a poor defender, you know. So I, it's 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 a bit of an odd one. That's one of those, look, the fullback ran for 300 metres. Well done. <laughs> I, I, mean? I was, I was going to go that way anyway, just the fact that like <laughs> you can chalk these things down to style as well like an out half missing four tackles it's like yeah but one of Ross Burns missed tackles came because himself and Henshaw literally ran into each other yeah. you know like the, yeah. these are the things that you, you can't equate for and I kind of have to say that because a couple of Leinster people aren't happy in my recent podcast but <laughs> <laughs> moving on it's not it's not you it's not you um I like usually we'd be talking about talking points there wasn't too many so I kind of start with yourself Tom like we we talked about it you can't really read too much into it, but was there anything from that game? And I assume you're maybe line out or set piece that you'd be looking at just sharpen that up for Romania and Tonga, and then you know. Yeah, I I, I think um, Ireland just it's it's all about tempo to our game. That's how we've won so many games in a row, and um, I think the plan last night was to take the tempo out of that. I, I described earlier on, and and. You know, I think that shows also try to be positive that you can still win games when you're under pressure and you have a different set of circumstances. So I think that can't be discounted either against a fairly decent Samoan team that we're looking to take a, a massive scalp. Because let's face it, you know, sometimes we, we're afraid to put ourselves down as a massive scalp, but we are. That's just the bottom yeah. line. You know, it's hard to get used to saying it, but we are. And it would have been a huge fill-up for us. And, and, and they will take huge positives. I guarantee you there's nothing negative about it's on some own podcasts or uh, or media tomorrow about how they performed against Ireland and beyond. They'll be delighted the way they went and, and the pressure they put Ireland on in different areas of the field. So, look, I I, I think Ireland players, uh, and maybe this is something that's a slight downfall and it's it's been mentioned by others, that uh, we're such a systems-orientated team, but, but with a lot of freedom within them systems. It's not like the Joe Smith systems of that's a little bit restricted. And sometimes for having new guys come in and try and come to grasp with that. And when you have a lot of new guys in at the same time, um, like we did last night, that we're playing to each other for the, you know, not say for the first time, it can be it can be difficult. That cohesion, the word Keane used earlier on, is just not not as there as much. So, you know, that'll that's it's good to have this game because some of these guys might be playing against Romania and against Tonga. Um so yeah, just that that's it, we, we, we might look back in, in three or four weeks time and realise the value of this game to give these guys a run out yeah. and um, you know so that's you know I think I think the other positive is that Farrell and the buzzword is adversary, adversity <laughs> you know he set it up as a rugby World Cup week the, the move in yeah. the hotel is like they were getting up the next day they were doing everything like they will in the World Cup they were, it's, it, this is like a dry run for, for, for the whole you know, not just what happens on the pitch, but the preparation and and then moving cities and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, there, there, there's a lot more that goes into preparing a team than just turning up on the day. And I think all those things would would have tested and taken out any weaknesses, both on and off the field. So yeah, look, as as Keane opened up on it, it's thirty wins. It's it's you know not to be sniffed at. You know, not to be sniffed at. We we could have a Rayburn Shield being won very soon, but I'm not going to go into explaining that because it's it's a long one. But I suppose, Keen, we have to talk about the major moment of the game, which is, of course, the untimely and, and cruel injury to Keen Healy. Um, I, I mentioned, and I'll give both of you a chance to speak on on Keen. I mentioned it on the, the squad announcement podcast that he's a legend. He is, he's one of our best ever. Um, and 
couldn't speak higher of him as a player and as a man. And I just, I suppose I just want to give you the chance to talk about Keeney because this, we we don't like to retire players. He could be back in the Six Nations, but there's a chance that this is his last game in green and he could be missing out in the World Cup. And it's it's a cruel twist of fate, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely gotten this one. Uh, I mean, watching it happen, it was that uh, that scrum folded, and then they drove kind of uh, um, diagonally and, and yeah. over him. It was it was horrible looking. You knew immediately he was in trouble uh, from that. And then, like, he's not a player who'll stay on the ground. He's definitely a player who'll walk off if he can. So to see him being carried off, you know, two with two lads on either side of him, it's just. You knew it was bad. Um, I mean, he's a player that's had a very special place in my heart. Um, kind of see him coming up through Leinster, but then, uh, you know that uh, that 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 World Cup uh, in us, you know, and that that game against Australia, that was kind of one of the one of my standout World Cup moments. Was he just had such a fantastic game, and ever since then, I've had such a, a grow for him as a player. Uh, and you know, even now he's he's still he's got better flexibility than perhaps ten years he's junior. Uh, he can scrummage anywhere across the front row at international level. You know, you'd be mad to think a player of that caliber won't be missed. Yes, he's not as not as quick as he used to be, uh, but he was never a speed merchant by any by any stretch, even even amongst the props. Uh, but uh, his, his flexibility and his uh, his his nous in the scrum is just. Amazing, uh, and it'll definitely be missed. Um, you know, loss of a front row player at all is amongst one of the last things you want happening just before World Cup. Uh, he'd probably have started at least one of the first two tests. Um, and uh, you know, the old head there would have been very handy, especially against Tonga in that second test and uh, off the bench in later tests. So it's it's uh, it's a hole uh, in the squad. There's no there's no denying it. Um, it, it, that we were always going to get something that was going to come along out of the out of the warm ups. It always does, and you look at the the position that some of the other uh, teams have been put in now. We, we've probably not been hit too badly, um, but I mean it is what it is at this stage. It's uh, you know, it, it is it is what it is, and uh, Lockman now gets an amazing opportunity to show uh, show what he can do on a big stage, having only gotten his debut in November. And one of the big advantages, Tom, is like we're we're calling up a player who took on France Malherbe, one of the best tight head props in the world, twice at the end of last season and had absolutely no problems. Granted, Munster didn't have a great day scrummaging against the Stormers either day, but he had no problems with Malherbe. It wasn't on his side that the, that the issues were. It's testament to the depth. But in terms of Keane Healy, like at the start of the year, we were celebrating him winning the scrum penalty at Hooker. Like that's if the, if he, if he ever writes a book, like we're all going to be reading that page in particular. Yeah, we'll just finishing off where you left off on Lockman. You know, if he has to come on with twenty minutes to go against South Africa in that pool game, exactly what you said it will stand to him hugely. Like that, he's been in the collision of Cape Town against Malerba and came out the other end. Um, so like that, that will stand to him, and and you know he he looked like a better. Uh, yeah, look, like he, like Keen said about Keen Healy, you know, he, he, he somewhat he is a twenty fourth man as well because not many teams have the ability to swap him into hooker when you could lose another man with given the laws, and uh, like we did against Scotland, like would our Grand Slam have gone a bit skewways? I know, I know, Scotland were a bit all over the shop that day too, um, but it is a little thing that doesn't happen that often in, in, in international rugby but where, where you need that somebody else to slot in at hooker but we've we've sort of lost that ability now because none, none of the rest of the front row can do that um, as Keane mentioned you know those, those, he would, those other te- uh, pool games we would have against Romania or maybe Samoa definitely where it's going to be quite physical he, he, he'll be missed and like what is he 135 136 caps or something Some, something around that I knew I mean, you can't, it's, it's, it's hard to replace hard to replace that you can look across at a guy when you're at a meeting and that's been there in, in those tough matches and pools in World Cup before so it, you know I look I said elsewhere I look at it two ways absolutely gutted for Keane Healy on a personal basis but rugby is rugby you know we yeah. we, we went into the France game without Henshaw Furlong and Gibson Park you know you know he would think our three starters possibly and um, Aki was missing the first game and 
you know, McCluskey played the first three games and Forno was missing a couple of games and then we did arrange Kellen Doris. I mean, they that's just unfortunately rugby. It's very hard to get through whether it be a Heineken Cup or a league season or six nations without losing players at key time. Um and and we just have to get on with it. Do you know what I mean? It looks like the World Cup is going to be looking at some of the games the weekend, the aggressiveness of the Samoans, Fiji, Fiji and England, and especially that South Africa game that's in our pool when they've played against the All Blacks. It looks like it's going to be a hugely attritional pool for both. So, you know, it, it won't be the last, unfortunately, we see. And as as you mentioned earlier on, Caelan, guys that are just there, thereabouts, whether it be Prendergast or, or whoever else, you know, they want to keep doing the press-ups and keep doing the 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 splits because the, you know the, the fair chance they could get called up throughout the month of October September October, but yeah, good for Kane. He's he's been unlucky a couple of times. He 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 didn't go on any lines tour three times. No. I think with injury, he got in the plane once and got his ankle done out in Australia. Yeah, just been hugely unlucky at times. I know you know the lines can be uh, you know a bit marmite for some people, but look, the players. Absolutely, hold it in high, um, high precision, and he was very unfortunate several times. And now he is missing a World Cup, so he's been fairly robust throughout his career. I think it's the old yoga we have to take up, Keen, when we're getting a bit older. That he does. <laughs> I've yet to I, start, but I, I think, already have. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a yoga. He's a yoga man, anyway. Do you know from what I believe? And um, you know, he's definitely a good advert for for taking up yoga if he can be that supple and and play across an international front row like that. But uh, yeah, personally, it's it's for him. He's it's it's good thing. But the good thing is, oh, he's staying on at Leinster for another year. He seems determined to keep going with the careers. And and um, as you know, I think Leinster will benefit him next year again, given given the performances he can at a fairly decent level still across the front row. So, um, hopefully he 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 finishes club career differently than than what it seems like at the moment his international career. And he he might get a chance to get back into the squad. We we should recognise that and then. If there's any man who's come back from injuries, it is Keane Healy. You know, he's done it time and time again. And I, I did want to get into the squad, but I, I felt like we'd be we'd be doing some more a disservice if we didn't talk about them in some degree, just simply because as we outlined at the start, for them to not be playing tier one teams and to run Ireland that close. They mentioned Silela Mapasua said they were inspired by Fiji and it kind of looked like it as well. Like they they were up for this in a non faux Ben Earl type way. Like they were physically there, you know, everything was just kind of working for them. Tom, you mentioned Sopawanga's kicking was was unbelievable. Um like it really was. Like some of those spirals were were on the money from Sopawanga. And like we talked about an awful lot about England on this podcast last week. Um probably a bit too much considering their style of rugby is is the furthest thing from from exciting. But watching that game, you can't help but feel like if Samoa are clued in for that game, they could take England. Argentina might be different because Argentina, you know, they actually play some rugby. But England generally don't. And if you get into a kick fight with Samoa, the only the only worry I'd have is their set piece is poor, as as Keane outlined with the stats. Definitely a lot worse than England, especially at line-out time. But Fiji have the same problems and they just did it. And I think this is a great chance for them. Like no one was talking about Samoa before before today or before yesterday. And now a lot of people have stood up and took notice. And we obviously hope to see them do well because we know about the underfunding and all that. But if they if they were to put in a shock against England and even just, you know, they have to beat Japan first of all to try and get third place and get requalified. That's obviously a huge game. The last I think it could be one the last day of World Cup pool action. Like I, I'd be excited if I was following Samoa. I wouldn't be. I'm not, I'm not going to put the house in them to get out to the quarterfinals or anything. But it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to see, and they, 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 it might not last. It might have been just right day. Everything just kind of worked for them. But you look at the the stat pack. They didn't play an awful lot of rugby. They didn't have to play an awful lot of rugby. They were smart. And they're going up against a team like England who try to play very little rugby and are still getting outsmarted. And they they could do it. Again, not going to say it's definitely going to happen. A lot of rugby has to be played yet, but it, but it could. And I suppose 
like we'd all celebrate it. Like there's there's no point hiding from it because we love Samoa. But it's it it's what makes this World Cup great. It's it's why we're all at the edge of our seats because we know that feasibly three teams can get out of every pool at the very may, maybe not Italy. I understand that, but you never know, and it's it's an incredible situation to be in heading into this World Cup and. I suppose I was I was going to ask you at the end, but does results like these and I'll I'll come to you first, King. Um, does it kind of change how we view this World Cup? Did the these warm up games so far? Do you know what I mean? Like I try not to put too much credence into the 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 very last games before World Cup because teams are trying a lot of stuff and there's you know mixed selections and there's. There's a number of factors, which means that the the, the results aren't always to form. But <laughs> it's really hard not to get excited by some of these results because they're so far, like, even if you bring everything else in, it's so outside of the form book um, that you would have expected. It's like you really can't now discount some of these, quote unquote, you know, tier two or un- unfavoured teams um, pulling a shock like you have shock results in every World Cup anyway but you know and you do have surprise quarterfinal um, qualifiers as well but honestly this feels like I mean Group C and D it's, it, they are ripe for yes probably one two three <laughs> surprise quarterfinalists it's going to be absolute chaos. I'm almost glad at this stage that we're in the quote-unquote group of death uh, because we kind of know approximately how it's going to So That's going to be absolutely nuts in group C and D. You're going to be getting to get the calculator out and the spreadsheet and trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Um, Samoa. They could beat England and Japan. England are... Look, I mean, there's a qualifier on it. England, they're, they're England are playing like like a team that are training really hard right up to the match. So you know, they're they look they look ragged on the day, but they'll be fitter for the World Cup on the back of it. But they're not showing much shape, um, and I don't know if fitness will be enough to get them through. Um, Samoa could run them, and Japan Japan's form since the last World Cup has been frankly dire. Dire, yeah. Um, like I can actually see them getting in a real bit of trouble. Maybe a win over Chile, maybe not. <laughs> that could be the um, one. Yeah, I agree. Um, Argentina, patchy, but probably the best form out of the group, so which is did... saying something. Yeah, they have they have one win. Sorry, I know they bet Spain, but like they had one win in the rugby championship, and that was a last minute try. Yeah. But they yeah. ran, they ran, they've run, they've obviously beaten within 12 months to beat New Zealand. Oh, New Zealand. yeah. Beat Australia, you know, the runs that the game at South Africa, South Africa only won two points, was it? Yeah. Yeah, but, sure, but sure, to, be, to, to be Zealand fair, now, they anyway. scored like two late tries in the last five minutes in oh, know, kind of yeah. garbage time. Yeah. I think Samoa just finished following on. I think Samoa do have a great chance. And the interesting yeah. thing with Samoa, I actually thought Fiji would struggle together against England because I looked at the Fiji-France game and it, it sort of was a France A team for want I hate using the term, but it yeah. sort of was. And, the area where Fiji struggled in, oh, inverted commas, era of England are strong, as in sort of set piece. But and I thought they might squeeze Fiji, but that shows you how bad England are at the moment that they couldn't even get that. I think Samoa, I've mentioned earlier on, are a bit more rounded team than Fiji. Fiji, I think I know Fiji won against them in the that Pacific Championship, but I think they're they've got options. Like Alatoa was on the bench last night; he's going to start, and that they have that option of um, excuse my pronunciation, Christian Lelefano, the ex-Australian. Yeah. He could play number 12 and give them that second kicking option to give, let them play because they are a good kicking team, as Keen mentioned earlier on, and put, can put pressure on you. Um, I think your man Jordan Tafoa, who came on, he should come into the role as well. And that will allow Fritz Lee playing his normal position. And he's an outstanding eight with Claremont Fritz Lee. Like he's a, really abrasive. So so Claremont could get, or not Claremont, uh, Samoa can get better. I would bit, bit, bit more, you know, we spoke about cohesion from Ireland, but. I think it's fair to say some are suffering from lack of cohesion as well. Um, yeah, you're right. Argentina probably the best form, and and Samoa probably next. And yeah, it, uh, quarterfinals out of there. If it's Argentina, Samoa, Australia, and Fiji, that would that would be quite something else. 
like yeah and it'd be great to see you know it'd be great to see if something like that happens but um it's 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 hard to know a lot a lot of I did think Ireland's fitness. I know the last five minutes. I think Ireland's slightly better conditioned than it did tell in the second half, yeah. and you know that's only true through just the systems we have here with the RFU yeah. that the Pacific Islanders teams don't have, yeah. and you know it's a probably an unfair advantage. But um, oh, but also I, look at look look at the bench we were bringing, bench options we were bringing on as well. Yeah. Like I mean that's. You know, it was it was a, it was a stretched selection uh, style fifteen, and then we were bringing our first uh, team off of the bench, and that was it. Just about made the difference, but it was going to make a difference, all right. Um, Even in the area of line out, if you're able to bring Herring, Omani, and Ryan on, yeah, yeah, like that's instant you, line out. You could, you, just could all, you could be the All Blacks, and you could bring well, you know, even though the All Blacks might happy, you could be South Africa, and you could bring on Ryan and and Papir Omani in at five and six, and that would improve your your line out, you know, you, you know, they're good exponents of it. So it make as you said, made a big difference for them when they come on. Yeah. And and um, it's it definitely made a difference. And depth is a is a huge part of it all. But and I I will come back to you about in depth in a minute, but there was probably one more talking point from the Ireland squad today and that is the decision to go eighteen fifteen. And yes, we are going moving on to the squad now if you have if you haven't guessed. <laughs> and the eighteen fifteen split means that Keen Prendergast is probably the the big name absentee on the forward side of things. And it looks like sure McCluskey got the nod ahead of him. Keen, I'll come to you again. I know I'm asking you all the Keen related questions. But between this squad this call with Prendergast and between going eighteen fifteen and that breakdown side of things, what do you make of it? Do you think it's uh, you're you're probably not going to come on here and say Andy Farrell's got it wrong, but <laughs> what what way would you have gone per se if it, if it was in your hands? Yeah, I don't know. I'm a pretty tell it like it is shock jock kind of guy, uh, and I, yeah, I do feel like I'm being typecast. Being on talk about all of the Keens. Thank you very much, <laughs> Kayla. Yeah, really appreciate that. No, uh, Prendergast, he, he is. He's a lucky, isn't he? Uh, I mean, he probably is a victim of the decision to go with the eighteen fifteen split. It probably is the right call. Um, but uh, yeah, Prendergast. I mean, he he really put he really did everything he he could. He put he didn't do anything wrong at all. It's not down to him. He he put in great shifts. Every opportunity that was given to him. Um, I think with the way the rest of the selection fell, you've got Cone covering eight, Vanderflyer covering seven, Doris anywhere across the back row, Peter Manny as well at a push. Uh, I know six or seven is the preference, but he can absolutely do a job at eight as well. And then you've got Byrne and Baird as half locks. You've actually got a fair bit of cover there in the back row. Um, I know it's a very attritional kind of group, but uh, even so, we probably have enough to get through the pool stages in any case. Um, but, you know, he's very much next in line. And if there's an injury outside of Byrne or Baird, I wouldn't be surprised for him to be called up whatsoever. Um. And then McCluskey getting the call. I, I think they needed that 13. Uh, sorry, I think because of the lack of 13 specific specialist 13 cover, um, you got uh, either Henshaw or Aki moving across, preferably, no offense to Aki, but preferably Henshaw. Aki's a little rusty in the 13 channel. Um, so I think they needed the specialist 12 to plug the possible gap there. Um, McCluskey going meant no Frawley I think he had too much to do after the injury or at the very beginning of the season meaning he missed out on the SA tour um, all in all to be honest I like the selection I think it's very solid I think it's nicely balanced there's no huge shocks there's no huge gambles I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm not very, I'm not a gambling man <laughs> I, I like to hedge my bets and that's that's the that's the selection it is. It's delighted to see Earl's getting the nod. It's great to see him. He because he is the kind of player that uh, Farrell loves. He's a real glue player. Yeah. You know, like even even when even for games he's not selected, he's going to be a, a you know a glue. He's gonna be he's gonna be there for the squad. Like he's going to make a difference, even if he's not on the pitch. Um and yeah, well Stockdale coming back into form, I I, I think his run was too late. Uh, and a little bit shaky at times. Um, he seemed to enjoy himself well enough yesterday, apparently with the pressure off him, knowing that he hadn't been selected. Um, so 
you know, there's there's potential for him down the road. Um, but yeah, all in all, I I, I like the squad. I like the selection. I probably would have gone very much the same. I don't know if I would have really gone any different other than Healy being in if he'd been fit. That's that's fair. And Tom, I suppose the the other major talk point is depth. It always is with Ireland. It's we have hopefully, uh, I touch wood here, we've moved on from. Oh, we need seventy-five starting out halves ready to go in the country. I, I, I hope we've moved on from that stage of the discourse. But the word, the word in the street, the word from camp is that most of the thirty-three will feature in their first two games. So, in that line of things with depth, who would you like to see, not not just playing, but hopefully stake a claim that they could maybe bolt into the squad for the final two pool games against South Africa and Scotland. Yeah, there's if everybody's fit, there's not that many places up for grabs in those two games. You know, you're talking, yeah. not going to name them here, but 21 or 22 possibly of those, at least 21 of those players are barring injury or nailed on who's going to be involved in those games. Um, I think we'll continue to see um, maybe Ross Bourne and um, Crowley flick between 10 for the first two games. Yeah. Um, I think... It all depends on how Sexton goes, really. You know, that's the unknown in this. Like, you know, we're all presuming now he's fully fit and that's all good. But uh I think I think Farrell will continue to, you know, maybe against Samoa, he might start Crowley and bring on Bourne and drop him to fifteen just to give those options that if Crowley had to drop to fifteen. Um that's probably the one. I think it it wouldn't be unfair to say maybe Crowley's pushed himself to head to number two at the moment over the, the course of these three games. Um I think that's okay to say. Um and then depth wise, you know, I, I think if Ross Bourne's your number three, I think we should be happy with that. That's that's a hell of a place to be in. Uh, I know he's his, his kicking's gone a bit a bit askew in the last uh, the last couple of games that he's played, but you know that's that's just an anomaly. If anyone's been looking at him at all for the last ten years, he's metronomic with his bloody kicking. So I wouldn't be concerned about that at all. Um, and and then just around the park, yeah, it'll be uh, the players. I think will grow into it. I think it's a great chance for Kilcoyne and, and Lockman, obviously, to try and stake a place now I think it's it's sort of Lockman's sort of took the lead there the tail end of Munster season I know Kilcoyne had had, had injuries but Lockman yeah. did nothing wrong yeah. um, so he's sort of the man in possession to to want of a better word um, yeah no it's all good Keane pointed out the depth we have and how much we can rotate the second row and, and, and the back row so maybe that's the thinking on the split rather than bringing Prandercast. I think, look, anyone that's been following it for a while realised it was probably down to whether it be 18-15 or 19-14. And, and it's interesting, France and South Africa have gone for the, the opposite. Um, I'll trust Farrell and the coaching team, but in a, in a hugely attritional group, which it will be, Samoa is going to be very physical. <laughs> like anyone that's watched yeah. Samoa, or not Samoa, Tonga is going to be hugely physical. Uh, Romania, unfortunately, are just in a very bad place. So... So write that game off, but like the Scottish and the South African and the Tongan game were hugely physical. Um, possibly then I'd like to have seen another forward because, but but you know that's really been picky. Um, I think both Earls and McCluskey, you know, people f- sort of had Keith on the plane already, and which is far enough I get the side of it. But McCluskey really should have been on the plane too. You know, he's he was key in the in the in the Grand Slam first three games, never put a foot wrong, really played really well. So he, you know, Farrell is a good, he's got, he's a lot of stock in the account there from, from Farrell. I did feel it, it would just come down to what way the split would be. And, and Prendergast is slightly, slightly unlucky to, to, but look, he's only a hour and a half flight away. And um, it, it won't be like Tom Court flying in from the beach in Australia, whenever that was, <laughs> or, uh, or, the, or the glory days of, of getting Michael Bent to, to, to turn up and play against the Murray, just call down from the local pub. It won't be that, but uh, look, a few lads should be ready by the phone and keeping fit and stuff because it's we'll, given that group that we're in and we all seen how physical South Africa was, that game is going to be absolutely brutal. I think both teams should bear in mind they've got knockout stages after that before they tear lumps off each other in the pool stages and they've got France or New Zealand possibly waiting. Um, it's going to be attritional. So yeah, maybe maybe I might have aged personally with one forward, but you know I I trust the lads in the in the camp at this stage to to make the decision on the base. I think it it gives given the the quality you know the, use the term footballer. We've got a lot of good footballers in that from four to eight 
guys that you know can just slot and play a lot of positions and um i think it's testament to the quality of the likes of Tyborne or or Caelan Doris or or, or Peter or, or or Josh can just play in numerous positions fairly comfortably. I think that's that's why we've gone with the split. We've just, just you know we're, we're, our lads aren't as pigeonholed into positions as, as other teams are. Yeah, no, that's that's true. The the versatility factor gets brought up the whole time, but there is absolutely an element of these lads are versatile already. Do you know, like it's with the exception of probably McCluskey, Furlong. Tom O'Toole, I I know that the hookers generally just play hooker, but those lads, James Ryan, how many more players don't cover a second position? Yeah, do you know, like he yeah. even like from a systematic point of view, Jameson Gibson Park defends in the wing, Conor Murray defends in midfield. Do you know, like that's that's what we're talking about here, like um, but because well, I'll be speaking to you during during the World Cup, hopefully, lads, but. Because it is it is getting ever closer and going to be really moving into the, the Ireland side of predictions. I know this week is different, but next week in particular. So I just want to get your thoughts on where Ireland stand and where where everyone else stands as well. Because like, I'm of the belief that if, if Ireland don't win the World Cup, it won't be because of themselves this time. I, I genuinely believe that. I think it's they could just be beaten by a, a better team. And, and Tom, coming to you first, like... As of today, where do you rate Ireland's chances, and and how do you see this the tournament unfolding? Um, if I was a betting man, I think we're just sitting tight in third spot. Um, I think France been at home. Uh, there's there's a hair between Ireland and France. You know, talk about two teams. You know, you know, we're pissed off playing Claremont. I guarantee if France are pissed off playing Ireland, and vice versa. You know, there's not much difference between those two teams. I think. It's worth looking back on the Six Nations game, how much under pressure. I know that we only scored with ring rows in the 72nd minute, I think. But we had France under all sorts of pressures in that game. Um, they won't like playing us. Um, I think, um, but I think given the history and the group we're in, I think it's fair enough to say France and South Africa are probably one and two. Um, uh, I, I find it hard to believe this, but if, if we have in a quarter final, I'm not ruling out the Scots, but if we have a quarter final, I nine times out of ten would prefer to be playing New Zealand than France. Um, and that's a bit of a weird thing to be saying when you're looking at rugby union since you've been born. Um, but um I'd love to have a crack at New Zealand in the quarterfinal. We let ourselves down, you know, four years ago. Um, in the you know, so I I do agree with you, Kel. I don't think, you know, we won't beat ourselves. I think it'll be just maybe a better team of the day. But I I, I I do think there's not much between them three teams and New Zealand in fairness, you know, wouldn't one bad result isn't you know, one poor, desperate result isn't going to write them off. They'll be back and they've got time to build into the tournament. They will get out of that group as much as we think Italy might cause some sort of an upset, but they'll definitely get out. So once they get the French game out of the game, out of the way, they've got a clear run to a quarterfinal. They'll be fresh and they're well able to ambush anybody in that quarterfinal, whether it be us or South Africa. They'll have no fear of either. Um, so, but yeah, I, th- I think we're in a good place. Uh, I think the depth is there, you know, the, back to the days when Paulie got injured and Sean O'Brien and we, you know, we were struggling for players and positions back in whenever that was 15. 15. Um the depth is there. Um so look, I think I think we're in a good place. Um and uh, I I I think they realise what the task is hand, and I think they've they've been building up to this once the groups was known from, from a few years ago. They've they've known what the what test lies ahead. And um you know, Ireland will play a lot of smart rugby. You know, people might be a bit frustrated, I, I imagine, during the polls, you know, just to beat Scotland. It's all about the results. It doesn't matter a shite about how we win those games. Yep. You know, we'll box clever against Scotland and, and grind them out maybe. You know what I mean? It won't be all, let's beat them by 10, 15 points and put on all the skills. But it, it's all about getting the result in those games. And uh, I suppose we'll be looking at the quarterfinal, hopefully, after, you know, with interest when we see the result of the France France New Zealand game because I said I'd rather play New Zealand than I would France, even though there's not much between the two teams. But uh, yeah, look, it's it's exciting. It's a pig of a draw, but you know what? All these years, especially the last say three World Cups, we've had expectations and we've so we've sort of went out before we thought we should. Like nobody's thinking past the quarterfinal. Maybe even nobody's thinking past the pool, but definitely nobody's thinking past the quarterfinal. If your options are France and New Zealand, and that's a good thing, even though we're well able for both of them. 
Um, so yeah, all road leads leads to that that time that game hopefully. And Keen, I know I know you're you're a stats man, and I spoke with uh, Rich Freeman for the Japan pod, which comes up later next week. And as I said, you know, in European in the Heineken Cup, no one had lost a game and won it until they did, and now multiple teams are gone unbeaten. Sorry and won it until multiple teams went on to do it. And a World Cup, no one had ever lost a pool game and gone on to win. And now it has happened, and it'll pro- it could well happen again this time around. And, like, when there's so... You talk, spoke about the potential shocks earlier. Like, this rugby, in my opinion, on the field, has never been the better place, despite, say, the odd team, like, you know, in- England again are, are the obvious ones to look at. Wales, at times, although they're, they're becoming more expansive by the game. Like it's it's never been better. Yes, there will be the the red card conversations, but we can throw them away because that half of that is nonsense. Red cards don't ruin games. Like Ireland to have expectations, which is wonderful as a fan. It's wonderful coming into it, as opposed to the watching out for red flags hitting us in twenty nineteen. Like you can't not be excited for this World Cup. I feel like, and I've you you. I I know you're you're heading over to it like it's it's destined to be an all time great tournament, isn't it? Absolutely. Like for, for once, it's not a wing and a prayer we're heading over on either, or you know, recency bias or anything like it. It's we've been consistently really good for the last two years. Yeah. Um, I got some stats earlier on from I saw Russ Petty had put up, um. Last ten matches, um, for the Six Nations and Rugby Championship teams, um, out of the the out of the top five, Scotland had won seven on an average twenty eight twenty, you know, pretty decent one score game margin. Grant. After that, it's New Zealand, France, and South Africa, almost identical, have won either seven or eight, thirty three nineteen, thirty four twenty two, thirty three twenty one, almost. Exactly identical. And then Ireland have won 10. Average score, 28-14. Clean. Two score difference. Yeah. And won all of them. No one's talking about Ireland, really. I mean, no, no one's talking we're, about... We're all talking about France, really. France, South Africa, New Zealand. But they're all, you know, I mean, they're all very good. But so much of it is narrative driven. It's so, all you know, past World Cups and you know, home advantage and the romance of having an amazing player in DuPont and all of that. Ireland quietly just going about winning. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing necessarily too flashy or exciting or yes, you know, we don't have a DuPont and, you know, no, we don't have someone doing cartwheels over the try line. Um, we're Hi. not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, the girls. Sorry, I hated that. Yeah, yeah. show off. Um, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, no, I just, do. There's, it's, it's, it, and there's the quarterfinal narrative for us in the other direction. Uh, Ireland never won, never gone past the quarterfinal. Sometimes they didn't even make the quarterfinals, but never gotten past the quarterfinals. Like, that's just a narrative. That's what's happened up until now. I mean, if you want to talk about it analytically, you take any series of events where even if it's 50 50, if there's a 50-50 chance of getting past a quarterfinal every time you play it, fair enough. If you start chaining those together, what's the odds of two quarterfinals in a row at 50-50? You're reducing it down to 25%. And so on and so on and so on and so on. It gets to a stage where it's incredibly unlikely that we'll lose quarterfinals forever, but the narrative would dictate that we would. Yeah. <laughs> so to put this much credence i mean it's stories people, stories of what sell things stories of what give us the love of the game to be honest but you can't put all your credence in them mm-hmm. stories don't score tries score stories are what we make up afterwards to explain what we've seen so maybe the story is a little bit different this time i may hope so and that's kind of the end that i was looking for here because that's like i i'm growing more optimistic i'm never maybe if we get to a final but until then I'm not going to come on here and say that I'm not going to win the World Cup because I genuinely <laughs> do not want to jinx myself I I tried as hard as I could not to say 
Munster win the URC as well because I did not want to jinx myself. And I probably will do it here. Like I someone asked me the other night who do you think is gonna win? I said South Africa. I was saying France for the first like seven or eight podcasts of the preview series. So like it's not gonna happen. But I genuinely do feel there's something special about this team. And even if they don't do it, they'll have gone about it the right way, yep. which is something we can't have said. 2015 maybe because we had the nice side the draw that time and and all that you know providing we bet France we did but obviously lost a, a third of a team this one just feels different they're under the radar but they're world number one you know world number one teams there's been five World Cups they've won three of them yep the other two were won by South Africa so or the were or the world number four actually as well so yep. if if you wanted, if you wanted to put a bet on Ireland, South Africa, New Zealand, one of those three to win, wouldn't be the most original, but it's certainly, it's certainly <laughs> pointing that way at the moment. And lads, thank you very, very much. I'd be sure to be talking to you during the World Cup, hopefully, in in good ways and not, as we said, uh, in the maybe a Bordeaux two thousand and seven style conversation. But thanks as always for coming on and for everyone that listening. If you like what you see or hear, please do subscribe. You'll find. The links for the lads, channels, Twitter pages, etc. down below and for my own. But for now, until next time, take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network.